Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Hi guys, we good? I hope so, I'm in such a good mood today. And I hope you guys can match me a little bit, man. It's just California weather. I came out. I know you guys have had feast and famine and flood recently and 30 feet of snow and all that stuff. But not when I come out. It's 70 degrees and sunny, baby. I love it. It's going to be a good day of church. We got the best news on planet Earth. Uh, just listening to you guys sing about the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Getting to do, It's cool to do it alone, like in your car and stuff or wherever you worship. But when we come together and do it, there's just something beautiful about it. And so you got hyper Chad today, so bear with me. Uh, I'll try not to talk too fast, but uh, I will just be me. God, just make me me. Amen. But we're in a series Uh, And I love it. When Pastor Jonathan told me about it, I was super excited because it's just a cool thing called Letters to Our uh, Younger Self. And I'm gonna do what we just did. So it's gonna feel weird. It's like, Chad, we just prayed. But I always do this selfishly because it is such a privilege to get to speak about Jesus on his behalf when I'm just like you, just another human trying to figure this thing out. And I do not take it lightly. And so could you guys, for my sake, could we just pray that God would just anoint my words in this time and that it would be helpful and meaningful? Jesus, we just give this time to you. Jesus, I love you more than anything on earth. I have seen your faithfulness. I have tasted and seen how good you are. And I want some of that spirit, that gratitude that I have, I want it to come out in the message today. Jesus, I also ask that you'd help me to make this very practical and very helpful because this subject matters, this issue matters to us. So Jesus, we give this time to you and we pray it in your precious name. And everyone said, amen. So uh, several years ago, famous author now by the name of Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Outliers. And the thing that's probably most known from that book, I mean, it's full of gems, but the thing that's probably most talked about from that book is his theory that he presented about the 10,000 hour rule. You guys know what I'm talking about? He basically said this, if you want to master anything in life, and it's a bit of an arbitrary number, uh, but it it seems to be the average. If you want to master anything in life, you're going to have to devote at least 10,000 hours to it before you could even be considered uh, a master of it. And the reason I say that is because uh, when I... When I preach, uh, I consider myself a jack of, at best, a jack of all trades, master of none. I I come up in whatever subject I've been given. I try and study the text. I try and fill the text. I try and pray through the text. Um, But I don't, I haven't, I'm not a theologian. I haven't studied any particular part of the Bible more than others. And so uh, it's weird because this week, as we get into letters to our younger self, it's the only time this, uh, this year that I will get to preach as a master Because this subject, I've got my 10,000 hours in. Now, before some of you, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's pretty braggadocious of you, Pastor. You heard what we're talking about today, right? The 10,000 hours. Yeah, we're talking about worry and anxiety. I'm not proud of that, but I had a hunch when I knew what I'd be talking about that I'm not the only master in this room. Like if you've lived, I'm almost 50 years old. I've had a lot of chances to put my 10,000 hours in when it comes to worry and when it comes to anxiety. And this is one thing that I have mastered that I am not proud of. And so when I'm up here talking, I'm defensive for us. This is something I want us to unlearn. This is something I want us to deal with. If you were here last week, Pastor Jonathan preached an incredible message and he started off by reading you guys a letter that he wrote to his younger self. I sure you expect me to do the same thing. It's not gonna happen. 
I haven't written a proper letter since 2005. I think since the iPhone stuff came out. Like I just use my thumbs now. I don't, I don't do that. I sign my signature. I, I, I can't even use a pen anymore. It hurts my wrist. And so <laughs> what I thought I would do for us today is, in, 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 again, as I'm getting older, I get real sappy and I, 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 I watch all these sappy videos on social media. My algorithm just keeps sending them to me. And so instead of writing you a letter to my younger self, I was going to uh, send a viral TikTok to my younger self. So watch this. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. I woke up this morning on my horizon. Three little birds were on my doorstep singing sweet songs. Melody blowing true. And they said this message is you. <laughs> they said, don't worry about a thing. Because every one of it is going to be alright. Don't worry about a thing. Because Right? Okay, let's pray and go home. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Like, there's the message. Not just the words, but the spirit and the smile on that kid's face. Don't you want that again? Like, right? But then here's what stinks. The first time I saw that, the, the sappy old guy in me didn't come out. The, the, the young realist in me, the cynic in me came out. I was like, get, get a mortgage, kid, and then see what kind of viral TikTok you make. Wait till your first heartbreak, bro. Then let me know if you're going to come around and sing that song, right? I appreciate that Bob Marley wrote that song, but then but the, the realist in me goes, Bob, how high were you when you wrote that song? I want to hear the song you write when you're coming down from that high to balance it out a little bit, right? You hear that? Don't worry. We all want that. We all want the spirit of that little kid. I do. The purity of it, the naivety of it, the innocence of it, right? We want that, but you live enough life and you go, come on, that's, that's, that's cute, but that's not possible. But there's a reason that thing went viral is because there's something in us that knows way back from the Garden of Eden, we were meant for that kind of spirit, that kind of naivety, that kind of beauty. We were meant for that kind of worry-free life, but now because of sin, it's not a reality. And so worry and anxiety and fear, these are very real things that all of us to some degree, you may not have become a master at it like me, but you're on your way if you're not careful, right? And what's crazy to me is Jesus in the text we're going to look at would completely affirm what this little kid just sang. And, and, and it almost sounds like, Jesus, are you like this kid? Are you being dismissive? But, but here's what I want to tell you, spoiler alert ahead of time. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 here in a minute. But, but buried underneath all the, the, the teachings Jesus gives us about worry and anxiety, do you know what he keeps trying to slide in there to get us as, as to like the antidote for it? Is how much he cares for us. Like if you hear nothing else today, and I hate this as a preacher, I can't talk good enough for the spirit of this message to come out. I just have to trust God because the number one thing God put on my heart for you guys in week two of Letters to My Younger Self is I want Hills Church to be reminded or a few of you for the first time to be told how profoundly God cares for you. 
on your best day, on your worst day, on the ugliest day, on the ugliest season, you are so deeply cared for by your God. In this whole text, Jesus is like going, oh, if you only knew how much I care about you. And if you only could remember that I am in charge of all things, if you could only remember that not only did I create it all, I owned it all, there would be such a divine poise that could come over and blanket and wash over our hearts again so that we could walk away from worry and into more of the fullness of life. But I was, man, I try and be, I try and be poised and smooth by the time I get up on stage so that I can present the gospel well. But you got to understand, let me tell you something about preachers. All week, they're a hot mess. And if they act like they're not, they're lying to you. It's a hard thing to get up and speak on behalf of an unseen God when you're a broken human, right? So on, by Wednesday, I've just talked myself out of this message four times and I'm doing, I'm doing everything I'm preaching against this week. I'm so worried. I'm starting to get anxious about it. It's turning into fear, right? But God cares about not only me, the messenger, but he cares about you, the people listening. And so I look out on my porch as I'm having an existential crisis about coming to preach to you guys this weekend. And right on my porch is a little bird. Remember like the kids saying it? three little birds on my doorstep reminded me not to worry. And the little bird, and I don't know how, because we don't put bread out at night. The little bird had, I kid you not, a piece of bread in his mouth and he was just hopping around my doorstep. And what's interesting is we're gonna see is the first illustration Jesus uses when he teaches us about working against worry is he uses the birds of the air and how he feeds them. And all of a sudden I had to stop and I just had to take it in. I was trying to get my wife to come in and she's like, dude, you're weird, whatever, I got stuff to do. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm preaching John Matthew 6 and like the birds and she's like, dude, whatever. Um, and so I, I stare at that, I move on, but it's like Jesus going, hey, I know you're really nervous about this being everything it's supposed to be, but I got you. Just go preach. You got the best news on, just go share your heart. Everything's gonna be all right, Chad. Look at this bird, he's eating bread this morning. He's so chill. Calm down, go get some bread. Okay, will do. That night, I go to bed, me and my wife on Wednesday nights. A show we like comes out with a new episode every Wednesday night, so we watch before we go to bed. It's called Ted Lasso. I don't know if you like it or not. Don't judge me if you don't. But um, we're watching this episode, latest episode. This won't ruin anything. But the episode is literally all about, don't worry, everything's gonna be all right. Multiple times through the episode, they sing that song, different cast members. And I'm going, okay, God. I fly to Denver a couple days ago, drop my kids off at the youth, a youth retreat. I'm staying with my parents. I have a doctor's appointment in Denver. I'm a little nervous about. Um, and I go downstairs, I took a shower, I go downstairs. My mom, 76, it's fun when a 76 year old gets introduced to social media and that's her thing right now. And she's learned to go to the Facebook stories and the Instagram stories and get your algorithm going. And she's a sap like me. I literally, as I'm nervous, to go to my, a little nervous to go to my doctor's appointment, walking down the stairs. My mom's down there and she's playing an Instagram story and it's that video I had just shown you and I had already sent the video here to show it for this weekend. And it was like God going, just we won't let it go. Like I got you guys. And it's not just for you, Chad. I want you to go and I want you to passionately tell them how much I care for them. So I said to my younger self, just a few thoughts. I said, hey, younger self, your most precious possession in this life is this thing called time. Now, I realize you're way too young right now to appreciate how precious time is, but please trust me, it's fleeting. Younger Chad, if I knew then what I'm learning now, I would simply tell you this, one of the greatest yet most subtle wastes of your precious time will be this thing called worry and this thing called anxiety. 
So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter six. I'm good conscious, I gotta give two thoughts. One is a disclaimer. Let me start with the disclaimer. The disclaimer is this. Um, I'm gonna talk about worry and anxiety and fear from a biblical point of view and from a spiritual point of view and from Jesus's point of view. Um, I am not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. There are people in here with uh, mental illness issues and with that comes doctors and with that comes medication. And I'm not sure whenever this started happening, but at some point in church's history, we started stigmatizing mental illness. That is an incredible disservice to people with mental illness. If you're in here and your anxiety isn't just like the base anxiety that most of us in this room struggle with, if your anxiety is paralyzing, if you have a constant panic attacks, if you go to a psychologist, psychiatrist, a therapist, if you are on medicine, please hear me when I say this, you are no less of a human being or person than any one of us in this room. It makes no sense to me why if someone is in here with chronic migraines, which God, let us pray for you, I would hate that. None of us would fault them for taking medicine. If they found some medicine that gave them relief from migraines, we'd be like, oh, praise God, I'm so glad you got that medicine. If someone's in here right now uh, uh, that has type one diabetes, like no one would fault them for taking insulin. It's literally helping them stay alive and function at an optimal level, right? Like we're talking about insulin, We'd go praise God for the, the, the modern tech. The theologians call this the common grace of God. We, we too often secularize things that God doesn't secularize. I'm grateful for doctors. I'm grateful for medicine when we leverage it and use it appropriately. I'm grateful for medical advances and scientific advances that help us to, to live in some grace from God, to have freedom. But, but for some reason, the church seems to have drawn the line when it comes to people uh, with, with mental health issues. We see it as some kind of spiritual downgrade compared... And I'm just here to say, listen, no, 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 no. You, you, you just have, this is your physiological thing. Get help for it, but also lean into this because as much as it can be medical, it's equally psychological and spiritual. And Jesus has some things to say about it. The second thing I wanna say before we read it is you're gonna hear me use the word, the word worry 95% of this message. You won't hear me say anxiety. And the reason is, is because in the Greek and the New Testament where worry and anxiety get talked about, the word they use is the same. It's interchangeable. And here's what I got. It's not a perfect metaphor, but it's the best I could, I could come up with. Um, worry is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6. We're about to read it. It's the, it's, it's the beginning of his, his ending to his sermon. Isn't it interesting? We gotta pause and give credit to the fact that of all the ways Jesus could land the plane after he's done fleshing out what the kingdom of God is like in, in the most important sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it interesting that he starts landing the plane by talking for several verses, several minutes about this issue of worry of all things? But what's interesting to me as a professional worrier is I've experienced worry on a deep level, but I've also struggled with anxiety and panic attacks, and I would choose worry over anxiety and panic attacks all day long. Now, here's what's interesting. You know what I would choose over, over or choose less than all of them is this, this thing called fear. That's the ultimate currency of the kingdom of hell. Nothing will paralyze you and rob from you and your life and your destiny and God's call on your life more than fear. It just paralyzes, right? So why does Jesus choose worry over anxiety specifically or even more importantly, fear? And here's what I believe. Worry is the infantile stages of fear. Look at it like the human growing up experience, right? Worry is fear in its baby stages. 
Anxiety is simply, in my opinion, and I'm oversimplifying it, anxiety, though, for most of us, is simply worry that's hit puberty. I thought that was good. I, I was proud when I came up with that, right? Because think about puberty. This is when things are starting to physiological cha- change. Like anxiety is a physiological response to undealt with worry. Anxiety is when worry graduates into now I can't breathe good. Now I'm having panic. Now I have to go in a room by myself. Now I can't be around people in large crowds. Now I don't know how to, you know, effectively uh, talk to other people like I used to do yesterday. No problem because I'm being gripped by, there's all of a sudden, it's like your body's keeping score. At some point you worry long enough without confronting it and it turns in from a baby to a young man or woman, but then the adult version of, 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 of it is fear. Now worry that hasn't been dealt with has become anxiety, which is bad enough, and then anxiety that doesn't get dealt with and confronted eventually becomes fear, and now you're paralyzed. Worry is a weed, fear is a redwood. Which one would you rather deal with tomorrow? Would you rather pick a weed or cut down a redwood? Both are possible. Let me give you, if you're like, I'm, I'm in fear, guess what? You can cut down that redwood, but you're still gonna have to cut down a redwood. I think the reason Jesus comes out of the gates with worry instead of anxiety, because he's like, let's nip this in the bud, right? Let's, let's, worry is wet cement. Anxiety is drying cement and fear is dry cement. Good news, you can, you can fix dry cement, but do you know what it takes, the amount of, of, of sweat? equity? Do you know what kind of big machinery you got to come in to do to break up and change dried cement? But you know what? Wet cement is manipulable. You can manipulate it. You can move it around. You can still do what you want with it. You can still take ownership over it. So Jesus, I think when he's talking about worry, he's simply saying, man, if if you can make this as your life mission, like I'm going to know what to do with worry, it might just play a really cool role in alleviating things that are even more significant like anxiety and fear. So let's read. Jesus says, therefore, Hills Church, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. He goes, is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? And then this is the illustration I was telling you about. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. He's like, birds don't do jack squat that you guys do. They don't, they don't get up and go to work. They don't sow seed into the ground. Like they don't, they don't reap stuff. They don't go through seed time and harvest time. They don't go to work and wait for the paycheck like we do modern seed time and harvest time. They don't do squat. They don't save. They're not fiscally responsible. They don't put food away in the storehouse for tomorrow. They just get up and they go looking for food. And day after day, it just happens to be there. And Jesus said, here's why. Because I care about these birds deeply. And if he stopped there, that would be beautiful enough. But guess what he says next? The heart of this whole text. How much more valuable are you? Now, if you're a part of PETA, don't take this personal. This isn't me you're mad at. This is Jesus, because he said, there is a caste system when it comes to my care. And nothing is more valuable than the last of my creation because they bear my image. Jesus loves birds. Look at a bald eagle, the majestic nature of a bald eagle. That's a beautiful creature, scary creature, powerful creature. Don't want to mess with that creature, but it is beautiful. It's a, what a beautiful thing. God was in a good mood the day he spoke eagle into existence. Good mood, right? But Jesus is going, how much more valuable are you? And you do sow and reap to an extent. You do store away in barns when you're able to. 
You do take more responsibility than birds and contribute more than birds. If I faithfully feed them, then you got to understand that I care about your needs deeply. To him who supplies all your what? Needs according to what? His riches. Our God is wealthy. It's a wealthy to him who supplies all your needs according to your riches and glory. Now, let's stop and get practical for a moment. I'm going to give you a worry whooper real quick. This isn't going to solve even half your worry problems, but this is an incredible practical place to start. I did this exercise this week, and it's already been helping my mind. Whoop worry. Jesus here chooses to talk about needs, food, some of the most fundamental basic needs of life, food, clothing, right? He doesn't one time mention wants. So what if this week you got out a piece of paper and you wrote on the left side, needs, and you wrote on the right side, wants, and then you just started thinking about everything you're currently worried about or anxious about. And then you said, okay, what category does this go into? Is this a fundamental need of my life that I'm worried about? Or is this a want that I'm fixated on and worried about? You will be amazed at how fast that right side fills up. How many worries are want-based, not need-based? Now, hear my heart when I say this. God is into your wants. Now, not all of them are holy yet, which is why there might be some delays on those things. God is into desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is happy when there's things that can be holy in our life that make us happy. This isn't me saying everyone just be, this is me simply saying this. Uh, Let me not say it, let the word of God say it. The apostle Paul is using Jesus's language to say the same thing. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's good for your soul. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he says, we brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out of it. He says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. The same thing Jesus is mentioning here. How much worry do we spend? How much time do we waste worrying on wants? Most of which are out of your control, at least the time frame on them. If you're trusting God for those wants and not your own self, like that, that, a lot of that's out of your control. But, but, but if you come back, you'll quickly see most of my worry right now is not need-based. Like think everybody here is fully dressed. Praise God. Wouldn't be good if that wasn't the case. You're dressed right now. You had, you guys, y'all have five, $6 gas out here. You all had gas to get here to church today, right? If you're a breakfast person, and that's your thing. I'm guessing you had a little brekkie before you got here today. Good for you. Like, like when it comes to fun, the most fundamental thing on planet Earth that you can live the least without is breath. Everyone in this room, as far as I know right now, is breathing. I'm a little out of breath from walking back and forth, but I'm still breathing. And, and, and Jesus is going, listen, listen, most of your worries in this life are gonna be from things that are so far out of your control. And secondly, most of them won't even end up coming to fruition. So just start with going, how much of my worry is want-based? I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start speaking to that. I'm gonna start confronting that. I'm not gonna quit having wants. That's a human desire. God gave you that desire. Don't apologize for it. But it will not be a fixation of mine that keeps me from enjoying today because I don't yet have what I'm hoping for tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're gonna read Jesus say, we'll take care of itself. So I'm gonna be grateful that today I got up and I had food and I had clothing and I got to take a shower. 
And I had a car that could drive me here. And most of you have houses for your cars. They're called garages. What a beautiful thing, right? Like I'm gonna start fixating on the care and the provision and the goodness of Jesus. So while things still may be lacking, they don't have to waste all of my time today. He goes on to say, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I bet the Greeks in the crowd would have loved this. All the philosophers, right? He's getting all existential with them. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? Question mark. Everyone knows the answer to that. No, that's breaking the laws of science. Jesus is sounding facetious here, but you know what he's really doing? He's trying to let your heart off the hook. He's trying to give you some grace and care here. He's going, listen, if I knew worry had any qualitative value for you and for your life, I would give you permission to do it. But instead, I'm gonna repeatedly tell you not to do it. And when you're tempted to do it, which is gonna be, listen, I love what Max Lucado says, worry is, and anxiety is gonna be a problem the rest of your life but it does not have to be a prison, right? Because our, our rabbi says, you don't have to do it. So, so it's like, okay, Jesus, but Jesus is going, listen, listen, if there was any qualitative value in worry, I would give you permission to do it. I wouldn't speak so boldly to you at the end of this message, but this is what he says. He, he goes on to say, why do you worry about clothes? He just keeps illustrating it. See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't, again, like the birds, they don't do jack squat. They just exist. They don't labor, they don't spin, and yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is just here today and then tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's sitting there trying to say it again. Do you know how much I care for you? If I dress the lilies of the field that beautifully, And they're lilies. I mean, how much more do I care about my image bears? He's like, you have little faith. He's like, give me some more faith when you start to worry. Both require energy. I remember when I realized that one day, 10 years ago, it just, it just hit me. Faith asks no more energy of me than worry does. Why not put it to faith? Why not put it to expectancy? Both are gonna demand some energy of you. Both are gonna demand some intentionality of you. Both are gonna ask your mind to start going to work. When you're starting to worry, just say, no, 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 no. I'm gonna put it towards faith. That's why we renew our minds. That's why we pray the word of God. That's why we memorize the word of God. That's why we go to the promises of God. That's why we come to church and sing together the character and the goodness and the promises of God. And it's not just some religious activity. It's us going, no, 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 no. I've got tons of worry leading to anxiety and fear. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing my way through that. I'm gonna sing my way back to faith. I'm gonna pray my way back to faith. I'm gonna speak truth over my life back to faith. He goes on to say this. I don't know what he's saying because I can't read. Oh, so do not worry, Hills Church, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He's like the pagans run after these things. The people that serve false gods. That sounds harsh, but that was a common term for people who serve false gods. Jesus going, I'm the one true God. We, say, we sang about it. The name above every name. I am the one true God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know how crazy worry and anxiety and fear will, this is the most extreme act of chaos. Do you know in the ancient world, they used to sacrifice babies when there was a drought in hopes that that would appease the gods and the gods would bring rain so that they could, it's like we gotta give up a few to get a bunch. That's what worry that leads to anxiety, that leads to fear. Those are the type of systems even religion will create. It's just crazy. 
They were sacrificing babies to try and get gods to make it rain. These aren't true gods. Jesus is going, the pagan, we got, there's gotta be something that differentiates us from the rest of the world. And Jesus is going, the pagans act like that. But, but listen, you don't have to act like that. Just do this. Because the Father knows you already need him. Just seek first my kingdom. Just put me and my way of living and my principles and my loving commands, put them as in first importance as the best you can. Spend the rest of your life trying to do that. And then worry will start to dissipate because when you put your life into God's kingdom, God pours his kingdom into yours. You understand that? You take care of God's business. God starts to take care of your business. He says, all of these things will be given to you as well. And then he says, something that I'll camp on for the rest of my time. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will what? Worry about itself. And then it says something so important to end this little diatribe he went on as he's concluding his sermon. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? And so much, so much worry Here's what, here's what, that's such an important statement. So much of our worry, if you're honest and if you do a little charting of it, is past-based or future-based, not today-based. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. He says, it's gonna have enough trouble of its own. It'll worry about itself. Because guess what? Jesus is saying, I'm in tomorrow. You're not. That past that won't shut up, that past divorce, that, you, that, that, that there's still shrapnel from it. And so there's all kinds of worry and anxiety from something that is in the books, it's done, you can't get it back. Like you, you I understand why you would wanna get worried and anxious about what's already been, but it's already been. And guess what? You can't go back to the past. No one has a flux capacitor here. No one here is named Marty. Well, you might be, you know what I'm saying? Back to the future. Sorry, I, the great classic movie. I'm kind of disappointed with you guys right now. Amazing movie. Like, can I give you some good news? Here's what the Bible tells us Jesus is doing right now, actively in your past, working all things together, all things, which means the bad, the regrets, the failures, the successes, the beauty, the brokenness. He's working all things together for your good, according to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You understand that? You can do nothing other than learn from your past, nothing. That is what your past is here for. That's what history is here for, to simply learn from. And if it's past failures and regrets that are the, the, the key to your worry and anxiety, Jesus is going, listen, it's my work on the cross that has freed you up to let your past simply be a teacher now, not an indictment. The only thing that is real today, Hills Church, is today. Listen to what it says. In Revelation chapter one and verse eight, this is my next point, which is your soul and your spirit and your body were designed for 24 hour cycles of grace. That's it. This, please hear me when I talk now. This is the most important part of the message to me today because this revolutionized my pursuit to worry less. Hasn't fixed everything, but nothing has helped me more than when I got a revelation of this. Revelation chapter one, verse eight. I am the alpha, God says, and omega. That's Greek for I'm the beginning and the end. This is a Bible way of saying God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time at once. We're not, right? We're bound by the space-time continuum. We're bound by dimension. He's saying, I'm the God who is, that's today. That's a good thing. That's what we're a part of. I'm the God who is, 
I'm the God who was, that's past, and I'm the God who is to come. And I would simply say this, the lane God has asked you to steward is just one of those three. You are to steward and be interested in the God who is. Learn from the God who was, draw hope from the God who is to come, because we got tons of good news about that, but your main focus is the God who is, because the only thing that is real right now is today. Past is in the books, future's not here yet. Why would you spend tons of time fixated and worried on the past or on the future? Anxiety is the diet of those fixated on the future, the what ifs. Condemnation is the ultimate diet of those fixated on the past. Neither of those are from God. Neither of those are the heart or the voice of God, anxiety or condemnation, right? So God says, you live in 24 hour cycles. We see it all through scripture. This sounds all Buddhisty. Chad, you're getting kind of Buddhisty on us or self-helpy with your tropes right now. But, but here the big Lebowski day. I'll say it proudly, be in the now, man. Why? Because it is a profoundly Christian ethic. I'm not letting the Buddhists, Buddhists hijack it and I'm not letting the self-help people hijack it. Being in the now is a profoundly Christian ethic. Here's what I mean. The first lesson God puts Israel through when they get saved from Egyptian slavery, which is a national picture for us of what our salvation looks like. The first lesson God gives them is the lesson of what? Manna. You get food for one day because I'm going to get you to a place, not in need, I'm gonna get you to a place where your wants are finally met. It's been the, it'll be the first time in about 500 years. I'm gonna take you to the land of milk and honey. But if you do not first learn to trust manna, if you don't learn to trust to be present in today, you will go and make idols out of that milk and honey. I'm not sending you right to the promised land from your salvation. I'm gonna first teach you the most beautiful thing that will serve your life so well, trust. I need you to know how much I care for you. It will serve you so well on those seasons when surplus and milk and honey does come your way, where there's extra left over, that won't, that won't distract your life from me. It'll just enhance it. It won't turn them into idols where you start to slowly worship them instead of worship me and get addicted to those milk and honey instead of the giver of milk and honey. But what I need you to do first is I need you to wake up every day and just know I'm only dropping out of the sky one portion's worth for each family. And you're gonna wake up again the next day and I'm gonna do it again. If you wake up the next day and I'm gonna do it again. And he says, if, if you, here was the, one of the laws in Exodus. If you take two days worth or three days worth, I know you're thinking you're being a good businessman, a good steward, because you're worried about, right? If you do that, all of it's gonna spoil. You're not even gonna get today's. If you try and work into the future too much, you're actually gonna spoil the only thing that's real, which is today. So let, let the God of manna be the God of manna. This doesn't mean you can't plan for your future. God, the Bible tells you to. I wonder how much of worry comes in people's lives because of lack of planning. <laughs> Planning's not bad. But, but Solomon says, to, to man belong the plans of the heart. So plan, but what? God determines the steps. Hold those plans real loosely. Or those plans are actually gonna turn into worry when, when you see that the time frame didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. You know what I'm talking about? Some of the worst decisions I've made people make relationally is because they started to distrust the time frame instead of just being in today in their singleness. I was working with a girl when I was uh, in my 30s as a pastor and some, 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 some young adults and this one girl, 
uh, one night after a service I did was freaking out uh, about uh, a heartbreak she just had and it just went super bad. How did I see, not see this coming? And all her friends were whispering in my ear, we were telling her the whole time, the dude's crazy. But apparently the guy was a Greek God, you know, taller than everyone, just, you know, stud, whatever. And she just was so tired of being the bridesmaid and not the bride, you know, and I'm, any single ladies in here, you feel that? And you're starting to fixate on, and so what she ended up doing in retrospect was she started to take relationships into her own hands. That's a deadly thing to do. Just the most complex things we as humans have been given, relationships. And so she started missing and ignoring a lot of red flags from a guy that was not good for any girl at that point. Right, but she's sitting there, she's tired of, of, of trusting and she's worried. So now her worry is starting to speak to her actions. She's looking at this guy and she's telling her friends, but look, he's gorgeous. He's got six visible abs. And her friends are like, and zero physical jobs. Right? And trying to, and she missed it. And it, she got a huge heartbreak. And it started from like, trying to get too far into the future and playing the what if game. That is the worst phrase when it comes to worry in human history. What if? Waste, you know how much I'd love to, I, actually I wouldn't love to have the stats on this, but I'd be interested to know how much time I've wasted worrying about what ifs. And I'd love to know about how many of those what ifs never even came to fruition. And even if some of them did, I'm still here. I'm preaching today. I'm alive. I'm on for another day. So you have been graciously given by God permission to fixate on 24 hours. Steward 24 hours. You can reflect on beautiful things in your past, learn from bad things in your past. You can get excited, vision-filled, and hope-filled about the future, but it's out of your lane to fixate either place. God is in your past. God is in your future doing what? Making all things new. For whatever he's up to in the future, we know this, he is making all things new. His kingdom will come to pass. The gates of hell will not prevail. It doesn't matter what's going on right now. It doesn't matter what's happening on the globe. It doesn't matter who's in office or not in office. It doesn't matter how our nation's doing. He will get his way in his sovereignty. Like he's making all things new. He cares about your future. He deeply cares so much about your past, right? That he's there right now, working all of it out for your good. If you just love him, submit to him and are called according to his purpose. God's mercies are new. How often? Every 24 hours. Lamentations chapter three, the psalmist said this, today, I will rejoice in the Lord today and be glad in it, right? Like that's a promise. This is the day the Lord has made. That's not Buddhist being in the now, that's the psalmist going, no, today's the day, not yesterday, not tomorrow. Those things don't exist. Those things aren't real right now. Today is the day the Lord has made. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna choose to rejoice. I'm gonna choose to re-up on joy instead of worry and anxiety. I'm gonna spend my energy in those directions. It's not always easy. I struggle with it, but I am on a mission to try and some degree master this before I breathe my last. Jesus loves me if I don't master it. Jesus loves you if you don't master it. Jesus loves with you if you're plagued with worry the rest of your life. He just doesn't want you there. I don't want you there. I don't wanna be there. He cares about you too much. He's got too many good things for you to waste time on worry. So I guess I wrap up with just one more practical thing to think about, and it's just this. How's my time? I've been, I, I got, your, uh, Austin played me out like 10 minutes ago. It's like the Oscars right now. Like, like, shut up, dude. We get it. 
We get it. Get off stage. All right, Jesus, your Holy Spirit's good and I don't need to say everything that's on my heart. All right, wrap this up. There's two things you can do today, tomorrow, till we meet again. Seek, cast. That's what the text tells us. Seek me first, my kingdom. Everything else will be added unto you. So what I do is go, okay, what's the part of his kingdom that has bumped way low on the list of importance to me right now? Or it's something I don't like, 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 like something real important we'll always talk about here, forgiveness. Whew. That is not a first importance to me because I am deeply hurt and traumatized by what fill in the blank happened, did. I can't do this forgiveness talk. But Jesus is like, do you know how much worry and anxiety you're going to create in the season of unforgiveness? I'm not telling you to forgive because I'm super hard on you and I want things to even be harder. It's not because I'm not interested in the hurt and pain and trauma that that person gave you. I want freedom for you. And if you sit in this unforgiveness too long, it's going to fester and it's gonna create all kinds of mental, spiritual, physiological responses that do not serve you well and do not make my father's heart happy. So please trust me. I know the world thinks it's crazy, but forgive your enemies, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Let it go. Here, here let, me be, let, me, let me tell on myself. My biggest worry in life of my 10,000 hours has been finances. Anybody else struggle with that? Just me? No, come on, it's most of us. Not all of us. If you're rich, good for you, whatever. Give me some. But, but for me, for me, it's been finances. But can I tell you the game changer? For me, this isn't a money talk. I'm just telling you my testimony. For me, this, this ancient practice God gave us called tithe revolutionized my, my worry over money. There is something so powerful when a human takes 10% of their hard-earned thing and says, the first of it goes to God. It's so stupid on paper. And it's so powerful when it's practiced. Every, it used to be filling out checks, putting them in the, in the offering. Now it's hitting the return button because it's all you know, online now for most of us. But when me and my wife hit that button, we've done this, I've, 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 I haven't done much faithful for 30 straight years, but I have faithfully tithed in, in wealthy seasons, in, in land of milk and honey seasons and in desert seasons, one thing I've not wavered on is the tithe. Do you know why? Because finances will drive this guy right here crazy and rob me of so much joy and waste so much time in this life because I'm just not that good at it. And so you know what I've said? Jesus gave me a kingdom principle that opens doors in his kingdom. Maybe not in this world, like opens doors in his kingdom. So me and my wife and me and my family, we are gonna take the first tenth that we get and it is just going right back to God because the truth is, 100% of what I made that week was only because of the goodness of God. Because without breath, without legs, without the ability to sweat, God gives us all gifts that we get to help to serve humanity. He gave me a few. He's let me earn a living from these gifts. Like, this is not my money. This is God's money. So what I'm going to do is to show them it's his. I'm not going to just talk like it is. I'm going to show them it's his. And then when I start to freak out about some impending bills or a season that's a little slower than other seasons, I get to come back with confidence confidence and go, I put your kingdom first, God, this is on you. Father, the one who cares for me, this is on you because I put this thing first. Now, yours may not be money or tithe or anything, but what's yours? Find something in God's kingdom that, that has bumped low on the list and go, man, 
it's think about how much worry and anxiety that's cost you putting it that low on the list. Don't beat yourself up of why, don't waste time doing that. Just simply go, God, help me to have the grace and courage to bump this thing back up. So seek, and then lastly, cast. Not my words, the word of God. We're gonna get this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse seven. Now, when I read this one-liner, I want you to understand who's saying it. It's the apostle Peter, but it's not the young, zealous guy who overspeaks and gets in trouble all the time. Peter, that we preach most of our messages about, it, he's a sage now. He's, he's really close to martyrdom. He's a man of God. He's one of our first pastors. He is the rock on with which Jesus chose to build the church. He's in his older years. He's put in his 10,000 hours of worry and made some really sage-like conclusions. So listen to his heart when he says this as one of our first pastors. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, hey, Hills Church, cast all your anxiety on me. What's the motive? He cares for you. Every day we seek, that's proactive. We cast, that's reactive. Jesus said every day would have enough trouble of its own. So when trouble comes today, tomorrow, whatever it is, stop and train yourself to stop and immediately cast while it's still wet cement. While it's still a weed, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna cast that thing. Why? And when I'm doing it, I'm doing it with confidence, expectancy, faith, and boldness because I have a God who came to earth and told me in a sermon how much he cares for me. And then if I didn't believe it in his sermon, because pastors are hard to trust sometimes when they're talking, he actually got up on a hill called Golgotha and shed sinless, innocent, divine blood for the redemption of my sins and so that I could be made whole again and so that death wouldn't be my final thing. He conquered it all, proving how much he cares. If you couldn't believe him in the Sermon on the Mount, Believe him when he's literally on the mount getting crucified because he just loves you and me so much. You are cared for right now. I need to shut up. I've sp spoke my piece. Do you think I care a little bit about this? I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. I felt so cared for by God this week. And I was like, I want everyone walking out of here feeling that way. I had a, a guy by me after last service. He goes, hey, Jan, my name's such and such, and I just wanna thank you. My wife deals with really bad anxiety, so much so that she's been on medications. We went to the pharmacist to get her medications this weekend, and it was closed, and we couldn't get it, and she's been 48 hours now without her medications, and it took everything for her to come to church, but she just knew she really wanted to come to church, and when you came out of the shoots talking about people with anxiety and people in the church that struggle with mental illness issues and people that are on medicine and not having a stigma, and then you started talking about worry and anxiety, it was like she has never felt more cared for by God and seen in her life because the week she needed it most, you just happened to come, not only talk about it vaguely, but to, to honor and recognize the people who are actually on medicine because of some of these issues. And that was just God going, I told you how much I care for these people. I don't know what God's working in your situation right now, but I feel like those stories are probably in some way right now speaking and happening all over this room. How many of you right now would just by show of hand would say, I just deeply, deeply, deeply need to be reminded this week about how much God cares for me. Would you put up your hand? That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of beauty. That is a sign of children receiving good. Okay, we're gonna pray right now that you're gonna have a week like I just had where all kinds of little God moments just come your way. Him just showing you, man, this is how much I care about you. You keep hoping. You keep uh, acting in faith. You keep moving forward. Jesus, you saw the hands that went up. 
Kids need to know how much their parents care about them all the time. God, we need to know how much you care about us all the time. And you gave me such a gift this week. You kept just showing me how involved you are. God, would you do that for all of us? Would you be such a blessing to every single person in this room until we meet again next week? I love these people and I thank you for them. Bless this time in your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.